Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Office Hours, Career Pathways for PhDs. My name is Jasmine Goodman. We are a series dedicated to helping people with doctorates just explore all of their career options. We are not pro-tenure track. We're not pro-leaving the academy. We're pro-doing what works best for you. Today, we have an amazing guest. Her name is Dr. Amber Hamilton. She is a UX researcher at Pinterest, and she is also um, a PhD alumna of the University of Minnesota. Her doctorate is in sociology. I'm going to bring her to the stage. Dr. Hamilton, how are you? I'm well, how are you doing? Doing great. So we were just talking just before we got started here. We've been talking about wanting to find more BIPOC PhDs who have made that transition from academia into the industry. And before we get into your very unique path, I wanted to learn more about what prompted you to pursue your PhD in the first place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I so I went to um, I did my undergraduate work at Ohio State and um, I was I, I got involved in undergraduate research there, so like got some um, some really great support. Like Ohio State has a really um, great infrastructure set up to support undergraduate research, so like got the you know the opportunity to like get some fellowships and some grants to to really support my research and had faculty mentors, um, and and also. Um, mentors who were also graduate students at the time. Um, and so that's what really like sparked my interest in like doing research. That was the first time I'd ever sort of formally done uh, any type of research. And and I loved it. I, I was really interested in like um, asking cool questions and being able to really like dig in and get answers. Um, and so, yeah, for me, I, I, I think I was just like in a really great space. Um, that that really supported me doing uh, research. Uh, and so then it, um, you know, as a result of like having those faculty mentors and, and graduate student mentors, it was like, oh, okay, so like I can do this thing called a PhD. That was a thing that I hadn't, uh, you know, previously considered before. Um, uh, and really got, again, a lot of support and encouragement from those people to like really pursue my doctoral degree uh, and my education in that regard. Uh, and so, yeah, for me, it was like, you know, a result of just like having a bunch of people at Ohio State just like supporting me and, uh, and helping me along the path to, to do research. So I love that. And I don't think we talk enough about having just that level of faculty support, but also support mm-hmm. from other peers and colleagues, because that does make a difference in terms mm-hmm. of your doctoral experience. So going into your doctoral program, what were your career goals? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to do? Kind of talk to me about that. Yeah. You know, I I, I often like think back on this, like, I don't, I, I, <laughs> I like truly like, I don't think I like knew what a what like getting a PhD like truly truly like was uh, when I when I went to graduate school and so then as a result like I didn't have any like fully formed ideas about um, like what career path I was going to take like sort of loosely I was like okay like so all the people I know with PhDs are professors so like maybe that like that's the thing I could do um, yeah but I, I think it was all very like. Um, you know, fuzzy and amorphous for me because I, I think I like, you know, I'm a first generation college student, like, so of course, first generation PhD. So like, this was all like new to me. Um, yeah, I think it was all just very fuzzy for me. Okay. And at what point did your career goals start to take shape? Yeah, you know, I think like, um, a, a few years, like into my program. So I wrote my dissertation uh, about race and the internet, about technology. Um, So like, I was like, just like in those spaces and in those conversations. Um, And, um, and so like there, there was, there was definitely a period of time where I was like 100% like tenure track, 100% like faculty, like that's the role that I'm interested. That's like what I'm interested in doing. Um, You know, and then a couple of years and then in a couple of years of my, into my, um, program, I um, I started to like pursue like internships uh, uh, in uh, in tech. Um, so like did my first one at Microsoft and my second one at IBM. Uh, but like even still was like these are these are like really dope experiences and I'm like excited to be um, uh, to be like learning about these spaces. And also I was like I think pretty like committed like definitely toward like the 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 middle and latter half of my program to like pursuing a tenure track faculty position. Okay. Now, 
the fact that you were able to do internships and I told you I was just trying to survive. I was just trying to get through every day, every second. So what was your process for landing your first internship? And how did you position yourself so that you could land that internship? Yeah. So the the, the first internship I did was at Microsoft uh, with um, with a social media collective. So um, that is a collection of researchers, form, formerly Tinder Track faculty, who now work at Microsoft, um, doing doing like applied research, but also doing some like larger like you know um, research as you would do in the academy, except just like doing it at Microsoft. Uh, and so every year they run a an internship program where they bring in, you know, I don't know, three to five, you know, somewhere in that number um, of advanced PhD students who are doing research related to like technology really broadly. Um, and so I had like known about this group like when I um like in the early part of my PhD program uh that you can only apply like once you've reached like candidacy. Uh, okay. So like it was a thing that I was always like when I get there like I'm gonna apply because I really want to do I really want to do this. And like literally the first um the first year like after I reached candidacy I applied. Um and and that was a really cool experience because like it's this really cool pairing, I think, of like both like working in tech, but also like in a very sort of like academic space. So like what they bring you in to do um, is to um, work on a project that you propose um, alongside these like um, alongside these mentors who, again, were previously faculty members, but like now currently um work, in, work at Microsoft. And so it was like this really cool space of like being able to like ask really explorative questions as I would in my PhD program, but like in a different setting. Um, and so like for that, I can't, I can't remember all the components to the application, but like, you know, part of it was like proposing, like, you know, writing a research proposal, like talking about like your previous, like how your previous work in graduate school, like prepared you to do that, you know, talking about a plan. Um, and then of course, like ultimately like doing an interview for it. Um, and so I think that like um, for that experience, um, my um my 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 like experiences in graduate work were like directly relevant um uh to helping me ultimately like win that role okay and i love that too it makes sense to do an internship once you're in candidacy because all mm -hmm. roles need a dissertation so at least you've done a substantial portion of right. that work so that does make sense now what led you into your second internship yeah so um so did the so did that internship at Microsoft in 2020, and then did the the one at IBM uh, in 2021. And so um, at Microsoft, I got this I got a really cool opportunity to write um, an op ed for the MIT Tech Review um, about race and technology and about um, some of the stuff that I've been working on at Microsoft. Uh, and then from that. Um, the um, the director of IBM's responsible and inclusive technology effort like read it and reached out to me. It was like, hey, I think your work's really dope. Like, would you want to come like work on my team for the summer? Um, and so you know, did did like um, so got the chance to like chat with her about like some of my experiences and about some of what she was looking for. I think um, you know that team had historically been um, really like tech and inch heavy, right? Like people with like really technical backgrounds. And like, so I was like the first social social scientist to come on and be like, hey, like, yes, here are all the things you're thinking about, but like, here's how that's actually problematic. Or here's like, what this actually, you know, the, the sort of the larger um, structural implications of that. Um, and so was really fortunate to be able to like be directly like recruited into that role um, to again, like work, um, uh, in a space where I could like explore some of those generative questions, but like in a text setting. That is awesome. That's almost like a PhD student's dream is to be able to take what they're directly working on in their coursework mm -hmm. and then find an internship. So not yet a job, but an internship where you're mm -hmm. still able to ask those academic related questions, but also understand the culture of corporate mm -hmm. research because it is very different. Exactly. So once you finish those two internships, did you, was the next step for you to defend your dissertation or what happened? Because I noticed that you had just graduated. So that was a lot happening in 2020 and 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So I finished that that internship at, at IBM in like August or September of 2021 uh, and went back to my graduate program. 
uh, and was and so spent uh, academic year 2021, 2022 writing my dissertation and then ultimately defending it in May. Um, but even still, like once I went back to once I left IBM and went back to my went back to my program, I like went on the job market. Like I went on the academic job market. Like that was okay. um, so like it wasn't even like like I did those internships, but was still like, yep. And, I'm, and like those were cool. And now I'm going to pursue um, tenure track faculty positions. Uh-huh. Uh, and so ultimately, like did that and then uh, later that year defended my dissertation. Okay. Now at what point did your focus shift from tenure track opportunities to applied research? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was this was like just nine months of absolute chaos in my life uh, <laughs> that I will try to like uh, okay. uh, really quickly. I don't want to trigger you now. So no, no, no. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um yeah, so like I'll t- I'll just tell the like abbreviated version because I think okay. it's like oftentimes really helpful for folks who are like thinking about that transition from like PhD tenure track faculty jobs to like industry jobs. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you know I I I went on the academic job market and like you know I I think that like I I not even I think I know that like in comparison, like I was very successful. Like mm-hmm. I got um, I got an offer for a postdoc. I got two tenure track faculty offers like I like you know seemingly it was a success but I think just the totality of that experience like just revealed to me like how little I was actually interested in doing the job of being a tenure track faculty person um and how um and how much the conditions of like working in that space just like were no longer a fit for like the things that I wanted out of my own life. Okay. Um, and so it wasn't until, you know, so I was on the job market in the fall of 2021 and even into the spring of 2022. And it wasn't until the latter half of spring 2022 that I was like, I actually think I'm done with this. And I actually think I'm going to pursue um, uh, jobs in industry instead. So like it was, it wasn't at all like, you know, this sort of grand master plan that I had, but instead it was really a result of me recognizing that like my priorities um, had, had really like dramatically shifted uh, and that I wanted something different for myself. So you have that moment where you realize, nope, I'm going to switch gears. I'm going to go down this path. What steps did, did you start to take then to pursue applied research opportunities? Yeah, well, like my first, my first, um, the first part was like, okay, so I don't want to do this anymore. What, what do I want to do? Like, let's like, what is like, what do I want to do? And I had like, uh, just like as a result of just like again, like working in tech spaces and like writing my, writing my dissertation about like tech spaces, I like knew that UX research like existed. I don't know when I became aware of it, but at some point, like I had already like knew that it was like an opportunity that existed. Um, and I was like, okay, like this feels like a really natural fit um, uh, for like some of my interests. And then I was also simultaneously like, oh, okay, like do I also want to do like, um, like, applied research like maybe like in government settings uh and I interviewed for like a job in that setting and, and like very quickly I was like absolutely not I don't want to do that <laughs> I was like I don't want to do that I was like that's not for, that's for somebody that's somebody's not me um uh yeah so it was like first I like, really quickly identified really like identifying like okay what is the space I want to work in okay cool got that like now what are like the skills experiences um like materials like what do I need to be able to like move into that space so like um doing so like what that looked like for me is like doing informational interviews with people who were like working in like literally working in the space um um it meant like um transforming like what my materials had been which is like a cv and like all the things you need to do job market like into a really like actionable resume that like highlighted my skills and experiences um and it meant like um it, at least for me it also meant like doing interviews like and getting used to talking about myself in this new way so like I did, I interviewed um for jobs that like I that like now looking back on I like know 100% were like US jobs that like I now know like were were 100% not a fit for me okay. um and I was not a fit for them but like it, it helped to like be talking just like to get this experience and get those reps like talking about myself in this new way um that I hadn't like been used to so it, and it meant also like 
um, reading a lot. Um, there are, you know, I think folks trying to move into UX research, research are really fortunate in that there's like so many, um, uh, there's so many um, resources that are like freely and widely available online for you to like learn the language. Cause I think that's the hardest part is like really learning how to like, um, how to like be, how to like translate your experiences like into this like language that's like totally new. Mm-hmm. Um, at least for me, that was the most difficult part. So like really just like immersing myself like um, <laughs> in that literature uh, to really like get familiar with like talking about myself and my experiences in this new way. Now, what I'm hearing is that when it comes to writing CVs and resumes, like you're it, like you're bomb at that because clearly <laughs> you're getting all these interviews. So you're obviously doing something right. So let's spend more time talking about how you prepared your resume. So mm. let's say you, your dissertation, is your dissertation on your resume as a project? Kind of tell me how you were able to frame what you worked on in the academy to like the industry experience. Yeah. So like, you know, now, now again, with some, with some, like, this is me all talking like now with the knowledge that I have, like not, you know, then, but um, I think that like, I often see people like trying to literally like copy and paste from their CV, like to their resume. And I think that like, that is, um, I, I don't think that's the way I would go about it. I, I, they are two documents that are seemingly similar and are often like the words are often used interchangeably, but they're like two different documents yeah. meant to accomplish two different things. Um, your CV is meant to be a record of, lit- of quite literally everything you do um, in every facet <laughs> uh, to like, right. It's meant to be like this long, you know, waxy poetic document. Um, a, CD, a resume is not meant to be that, right. Um, it is meant to be in my, in, in my opinion, like a one-page document, at least for like early career folks, where you like demonstrate um, really clearly and really practically like your um, uh, experiences doing things. Um, and so, in terms of like my, um, some people like I, I've definitely seen some people do like have like an experience section and then like a specific project section, um, and I. My, um, and my opinion on that is like, I I don't know how useful that is because like now, because I don't think the project, the specific project matters. What matters is like the ability and the skills you have as a result of doing that project. And so what that looks like practically is not like talking about my dissertation and saying like, I studied black Twitter users to understand X, Y, and Z, right? It doesn't look like that. Instead, it looks like, I conducted like um, end-to-end research using qualitative methods such as X, Y, and Z to understand X and Y phenomenon, right? Like it looked like, right? So like mm-hmm. it's, it's similar, but like it, it's different. So like I, um, so like when I was like writing my CV, like I wrote about my, um, like my experience as a PhD candidate, like as an experience and then under that listed relevant bullet points um, that mattered to the roles that I was applying for. And I've also noticed that you have to kind of see yourself as a project manager. You have to see yourself as being mm-hmm. able to someone that can design research. Mm-hmm. So we spend a lot of time in academia, you know, justifying, you know, this is what I'm doing. This is how it adds to the literature. But then when it comes to mm-hmm. applied research, it's important to be able to frame your research as not just a research project, but also the process of research and that you Correct. understand how to do all of that. Now, what support or what were the conversations like with your peers, with your faculty as you were shifting focus from tenure track into applied industry jobs? Yeah, you know, I was... I I think I count myself as, like, really fortunate, you know, especially after hearing, like, some horror stories about, like, faculty. Um, I've, my, my dissertation advisors and my committee, like, you know, even, like, I knew that, like, they were committed to, like, me being successful, whatever, and whatever that looked like for me. Um, they didn't care, like, where I ultimately, like, ended up with a job or not. Like, they just wanted me to, like, have a job and, or, like, follow or like follow along whatever path, like, I wanted to follow along. Um, and that, that had always been true for me, like, um, throughout um, 
uh, throughout pursuing my PhD, like even when I went down to like do the do those um, do those internships, like all of the all of the faculty I worked with were incredibly supportive. Um, and I will say, in addition to that, I think that like um, I faced the problem that I think a lot of um, PhD students who are interested in pursuing industry face, which is that like our faculty mentors, even though they are successful, don't have the necessary skills to support us in pursuing non-academic jobs because like that infrastructure just doesn't exist like by and large like in the academy. Right. So, like, although my faculty mentors were supportive, I had to seek, like, practical advice, like, elsewhere, like, from people who worked um, uh, in non-academic jobs as I was pursuing that path because there just wasn't the infrastructure to support me in my graduate program. Got it. Got it. Now, you are currently working as a UX researcher at Pinterest. What was your process for finding the job, landing the job? I want to hear as much as you can share, even about your interview process. Let's just talk about that experience. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just sort of talk broadly about like interviewing for UX research roles. Yeah. So like, you know, the process is always going to start with like a recruiter call. You, you know, that's like typically like 30 minutes. Um, and like that call is just meant to like establish the baseline. Like, mm-hmm. are you like a functional, competent human? Like, do you have the necessary skills to like do this job? Right. Like in and do you do you have those skills? And also like here are the other parts, like here are the like here's the, like, how much the job pays, like, here's, like, the work conditions, like, are are those a fit for you? Like, it, it's just, it's establishing, like, is there a fit between, like, the two parties here? Mm-hmm. If so, if yes, then you're on to the next step. Now, this has looked um, a couple of different ways for me, but most common, you're just doing, like, a one-to-one call, typically, like, with the hiring manager. This looks different at, like, some larger organizations, like the Googles and the Metas, like, that they've got their own, like, processes yeah. right here. But, like, I, again, I'm talking broadly. You're doing, like, a call with the hiring manager, which is, again, like, establishing, it's just, like, a more in-depth conversation establishing, like, do you have the skills necessary to do this role? Um, and then from there, um, again, you check that box, like, yes, you can do this. And, and and that's where you're also maybe doing some like whiteboarding or some technical questions where they're maybe like throwing, you know, particularly for UX research, it's like, they're like giving you a scenario and asking how you would like con- construct a research process, um, yeah. uh, a research um, uh, project to like solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, you are then typically moving on to do a, um, uh, uh, a virtual on-site. And so what that looks like is like doing like 30 minute, like one-to-one interviews with different people on the team, stakeholders maybe. So maybe like you're meeting with designers and PMs, pro- product managers. Um, and you're also doing um, a portfolio presentation. And so this is like, you know, I think the other, so like in terms of like the documents you need to apply for U.S. Yeah. roles, it's your resume and it's going to be your portfolio slash case study. People use those terms interchangeably, but, um, and here's where you're like walking through a, um, a research project that you've done and you, but it's not like, you know, it's not job talk. Mm-hmm. It's not like a job talk where like, you know, the, the meat of the job talk is like, you know, what the problem is like the literature space you're trying to you're trying to work in the methods you did and then like um what you found right it's not it's so it's not like that instead it's like uh tell me about like this research project you did how did you design it why did you design it that way like what sort of business impact did you have it's much more like practical i think so like the way i the way i've described it to people is like imagine if your job talk was like you know, 90% the methods section. Like that's mm-hmm. what a portfolio, like that's what like, a good study is. Um, uh, and then uh, and then typically from there, like that's typically the end of the interview process. Again, like the Googles and the Metas, like they've got like a team matching phase. So like it's much more extensive, uh, but generally like that's the process for like interviewing and finding, uh, interviewing for a role. In terms of like finding a role, um, you know, there's you know there there what I'm thinking about right now is like okay so like most 
in in my experience, like the place you find a job is like LinkedIn. Like Indeed's there, but Indeed's just kind of yeah. she's just over there doing whatever she's doing. <laughs> she's doing her thing. <laughs> she's she's over there. So like LinkedIn um, is like where you're gonna find it. Now here is where there's like sort of two strains of thought broadly. Like some people are like apply with referrals, uh, referrals, referrals, referrals. That's it. That's that's the end all be all. And some people are just like cold apply. You know whatever. I I don't think I have an opinion. I've I have had. Um, uh, I have had the most success, like cold applying to roles, like the role I have now. I just like was like, that seems like a no job. I'll apply for it. And I got it. Um, You know, um, and I've also had like referrals for companies that like literally didn't hear a thing. So it's like, yeah, you know, there are there are pros and cons to both. Like, I think. um, But like LinkedIn is where you're going to find the jobs. Now, let's. okay, so you get the job. It's your first day on the job. Tell me what it was like coming out of academia and also having, you know, you recently graduated. So you're still just kind of recovering from dissertating and all of that. What was it like your first day in your non-academic position? Yeah. So I will say that the first day I'm in my non-academic job, I hadn't even defended yet. So like I started my job. I started my job on May 2nd and I defended on May 17th. So like I literally I was like I was like done. Like I sent in the stuff, like I was like the like the formatting was done. It just like was like the defense was so like I literally hadn't been defended yet. Wow. Um, yeah, um, man, that first day was, it was terrifying. I was like, I literally have no idea what I'm doing. Like, how did I get this job? Like, what am I doing? I don't know what's going on. Um, I was I was incredibly fortunate. Um, so, like, who, 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 my, the manager who hired me at my time, who is unfortunately no longer my manager anymore, because I, I recently moved to a different team, uh, also has a PhD. Ah. Um, and so, like, totally understood like me and my like background and like where I was coming from and was like um and I think like part of why he like hired me is because like with no UX experience is because he like saw my potential and he like saw that I was like an academic trying to move out and like recognized that like I had all the skills and the experiences and the language to do this job even if I didn't have the um the the resume line to like demonstrate that um and so like you know he really created this space like in our in our relationship where like I could ask questions and like he was just like totally willing to answer them like there wasn't at all there was never a moment where like I felt like stupid or I felt like you know in a quick like right he was just like incredibly welcoming and even like sometimes like I remember I remember one day I like asked him a question about somebody on my team and I was like I'm not sure like what what like what their relationship is to me and my work and he was like totally get it he was like think about like you know you think about like the methods person you have on your committee like they're like that right like and so even like being able for him to like have the language to like sort of speak to me about this language of like phd committees was like super super helpful um yeah and i think that like you know in my first like in my first like month or two at work I had no idea what anybody was talking about because like like I understood like I was like the words you're saying like I understand them but I don't understand what they mean when they all go together because like because like what I've learned is that like the corporate world has its own like language and vernacular and I just didn't know how to speak it yet now it's now I'm fine you know now I now I slip it in you know I'm always talking about how I'm going to circle back to somebody but like but like in the beginning like I really just didn't like I I often was just like I don't know what's going on and like with my manager I was able to say like I don't know what all of these acronyms mean and he was just like incredibly patient (laughs) and just like generous with me uh and sharing that knowledge and that's awesome I think about my first agency job one thing my manager told me she said lean into the fact that you're coming from academia like that's Mm -hmm. something that you have that we don't have on this team so it's Mm -hmm. okay you don't know this very industry terminology or process, focus on what you do know. And I think that what we really want to drive home with this episode in particular is that, or really all of the episodes, is that you're going to feel uncomfortable. 
You're going to feel like you don't know what you're doing, but you do. And don't let that that feeling of, um, you know, is fear, that fear of not knowing or not appearing like you know what's going on. Don't let that deter you from pursuing opportunities because you have the research skill set. It's just a matter of sticking in there long enough to understand the other aspects of the job that you can um, you can succeed. So when did you get to a point where you're like, OK, I think I know what I'm doing now. Like, when was that? What was that moment like for you? Maybe two months ago. <laughs> Maybe two months ago. I was like, oh, like, I, I literally, like, you know, I'm sitting in my in my home office right now. And so I was sitting here, with, and I don't even remember what I was doing, but I was like, I get this. Like, I get it. Like, I'm like, I really get this. Because it's like, you know, those little of what you were saying, like, it's like, it has never been the research in my job, that's the difficult part for me. That's that's easy. Like the research is easy. Um, it's the like it's the like stakeholder management. It's the like understanding business goals. Like that's the stuff that like I've had to work at. But like the re- the the research, like yeah, the research I can do in my sleep. Um, and like, but like anybody who like hires a PhD who is like coming into industry for the first time, like they get that. And like, they understand that like, that's the thing you can learn. Like, it's just like the re- learning, the research is the hard part. Like, so like you're already coming in with the skill set that's most important, but like you can get trained up in learning how to like manage stakeholders and understand like how to make your research, like have an impact, like on the larger, like business goals. Like that's the, yeah, it takes a while, but like, um, but you can learn that you have all the research skills that you need to be able to do um, this or any other research related job. Right. I think the hardest part for me, we talked about the language, but also the timelines. The timelines are so mm-hmm. different. Yep. And so I was on a project just recently where I think I had like 10 days to turn mm-hmm. around. You know, we had to do fielding analysis and a report and it happened. Mm-hmm. got it done. But that to me, let me know that, you know, this is a <laughs> different world. This is a definitely yep. different world. Absolutely. What's a day in, let's say you start off for work in the morning, kind of talk to me broadly about what you can expect to happen throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. So in the, in the morning time is typically when I have like my focus deep work time. Um, and I'm fortunate. So I'm in us, uh, I'm in central time and but a lot of the folks that I work with um, are on the West coast, <sighs> you know, so like, um, you know, when I get on at nine o'clock in the morning, like it's seven o'clock in the morning for them. So like, I so between like nine and 11, like nine and 12, like that's when I get to like really focus. Um, and typically, you know, and so during that time, so like right now I'm putting together a research project. So like, you know, thinking, so I've been like writing up my research plan, like writing up my screener, um, you know, um, engaging with like vendors who are going to help me do this, like recruit. So like doing some of like the, the, the like logistical work of like setting up a research study. Um, that's typically like, you know, again, that like nine to 11, like nine to 12 time. Um, and then the afternoon tends to be pretty meeting heavy for me. So like, you know, that is um, meetings with my team, uh, meetings with my PM, with my designer, with my manager, um, with the larger research team. Um uh, that's, you know, yeah, sitting in on like, you know, strategy meetings where I'm just like, okay, here's where like, the, the business is moving. And so like, here's like maybe how my research can inform some of that. Um, yeah. So it tends to be morning time, deep work, afternoon uh, meetings. Now I heard you say a term that I now know what it means, but my mm-hmm. first day on my job, I did not know mm-hmm. what in the world is a screener. Tell me more about that. Oh, like, a, yeah, like a research screener. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, again, I think this is something that like, you know, academics like maybe have broadly a research experience with, um, you know, it's a, it is a, let me think of a definition. It is a questionnaire at its mm-hmm. core. It's a questionnaire um, that you, when you are like trying to recruit research participants for a study, you're trying to use that questionnaire to like suss out whether or not they are good fits for that study. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking for like, I don't know, like, 
Gen Z men to talk to who like use Instagram, you would like develop a set of screener questions that like, you know, what's your gender identity? What social media platforms do you use? What age are you? So then if someone answers like, well, I'm a woman who's 35 and I only use Twitter. It's like, well, then that person is not like based upon those screener questions. That person is not a good fit for this study. That's broadly what a screen is. Yeah, I think that's how it would I asked that question because with in the first, I want to say week or two on in a, a, in a previous role, they're like, "Oh, can you write the screener?" And I was like, "Yeah, you know, just I can take a look at it." Now it was this massive document that had all these instructions. If they answer yes, go here. You know, yeah, I'm, like the skip logic. World is all of this. So there was there was a lot happening, but um, my our goal is to kind of break down a lot of those processes and a lot of those documents so that. As our audience, they're going on those interviews, they'll understand more of mm-hmm. how you do have you can see correlations or you can see um, similarities between uh, recruitment for academic work and recruitment for industry work. But you just yeah. have to kind of know that that's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. And there's lots of similarities, like, again, with like, you know, writing up a research plan, like, you know, maybe you know, I think maybe you probably would do something like this. Like, I think I did like sort of a research plan for like my, um, my, uh, what's it called? The, the proposal, like a dissertation, my perspective. Yeah. My prospectus. Mm-hmm. Like you sort of write up a, a broad research plan. It's like, here's mm-hmm. what I'm going to do. Here's who I'm going to talk to. Like, here's the timeline of it. Like that's just, that's a research plan. Like you maybe wouldn't call it that like yeah. in, in your perspectives, but that's essentially what it is. And like, that's what you're doing. Like in research and industry, you're just like, here's what I'm going to do. Here's why I'm going to do it. Here's who I'm going to talk to. Like, here's the timeline of that thing. Now, what was it like for you? Because the dissertation writing process is, you know, is very, it's you and you only. You get feedback from your committee, you know, as they're reviewing documents, but it's something that you write yourself. Compare that against the the commercial research environment when you're conducting research and having to collaborate with other teams. How did you, what prepared you for that transition from working by yourself to having sometimes massive teams that you're having to work with to accomplish a research project? Yeah, um, I think this is, I think, so I have, I have two answers to this. So I think one of one part of that is like, it's, I think that's part of that learning process that I think you have to do when you're coming into like an industry setting, like in terms of like learning, like not just the business language, but like how to like collaborate with like people. Because I think part of that, like part of it for me was like, I literally didn't understand what some people's jobs were and how they related to mine. Like I (laughs) I remember I watched this whole YouTube series about like, what does it mean to be a product manager? Like, what do you do? Because like, I truly like, I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And so like, I think that's part of like what you do is like learning, like, okay, what do these like people who I have to work with, like, what do they care about and how does my work inform like what they do? I think that's super helpful. And then I also think like, um, like having worked with others. So like I had some experiences like in graduate school where like I published with other people. Um, I think that it feels like the most like direct like comparison because like you're sort of like managing, um, you're managing their timelines and their expectations and you're working together to accomplish um, the same goal, like maybe in different parts. So it's like, okay, maybe you're working on this part and I'm working on this other part of the paper, but like we broadly still have the same goal. I think that like is a really, um, uh, uh, a really like strong sort of like one, one-to-one comparison that like helped me like then like working with stakeholders, like in my, in my day-to-day job now. Okay. What would you say are some tips or rules for working with stakeholders in your position? What I've I've noticed is that it's a lot of managing up and managing across and also managing expectations. So what are some what's some advice you have for researchers who are wanting to get into UX, but they don't quite understand how to because. We have a different way of communicating in academia. Um, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of personalities, which actually probably is very interesting because you have so many different personalities in academia and then in commercial mm-hmm. research. Um, you have, you know, different personalities as well. So how do you what advice can you share about managing stakeholder and stakeholder relationships? Yeah, I think the like the thing that like 
again, is this still a, a thing that I'm still like learning and working through is like, you are like, you are the researcher and you are the research expert. So like in my, in where I work, like how researchers are distributed, like we are embedded within a specific product team. So like we are the only researcher for that team. So like you are the research expert. Like you have people that of course you can consult your managers or other like senior researchers, but like for your team, like you are the research expert. So like, I, I think that like, having a strong POV um, where you're like, okay, here's everything y'all saying, and here's the research you you are telling me that you need, but like actually as the research expert, here here is the research you actually need. Um, yeah. So I think like it's really important to like be able to like listen to other people and be able to like take in their feedback, but also like know when the moment, when the right moment is to like, really assert yourself to say like, no, like here's the research direction we need to move in and like be able to provide like a justification for that. Um, I also think like 100% agree with what you say about like managing up and like, you know, managing peers, like lots of that. Like, um, but I also think like for me, like I like to have a lot of touch points with my stakeholders. So like meeting weekly with my PM and like with my designers, like to just always make sure that like, here's the research direction that I'm moving in, like, and making sure that we are, like, on the same page. Because, like, I don't ever want to be, like, producing research that, like, isn't actually actionable and that it isn't actually useful, right? right? So, like, and so the best way to, like, avoid doing that is by, like, meeting with the people on my team to say, like, here, here's the research direction that I'm thinking about moving in. Like, is this useful for you? Like, what questions do you have? Like, what would be most helpful for you for me to answer? Um so yeah, so just like constantly like, yeah, like doing that sort of like upward management, that horizontal management, super, super important. And I like the point about the multiple touch points because we go off on academic tangents. I know mm -hmm. that I've been off on many of them because you have the freedom to explore within academia, but then in commercial research, you're defined by, okay, what are the business goals? What are mm -hmm. the timelines? You know, is there a new product rolling out? So there are a mm -hmm. lot, there are a lot of constraints that you have to be mindful of that mm -hmm. in academia, you can just, you know, explore almost anything. <laughs> and so being able to, you know, kind of keep kind of tame that academic tangent side of yourself, because it's mm -hmm. easy to go that route and realize that while it might be interesting, what is the actual impact on the business Correct. is also important. Now we get into our final section, which is called mentorship moments. Mm -hmm. Let's say you get a frantic email from someone on LinkedIn saying, Dr. Hamilton, I'm graduating soon. I don't want to go down the tenure track. What advice do you have for landing a job either in UX research or just an industry job in general? Mm. Yep. Uh, you know, this isn't hypothetical. This happens to me every day. So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, I would, again, I encourage people to like, you know, what, what, what path is it that you're interested in like going down? Like what, what is the job like that you want? So like exploring that, but assuming that since you're reaching out to me, you know, that it's UX research. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I would like, I would first encourage people to like, if they have, if they've already to put together a resume and if they already have like get feedback on it, like I find that like, you know, I mean, just like with any document, like, you need feedback from people who are more experienced. Like that's what a committee does. Like they get, like they are more experienced people who are giving you a feedback. Um, so like finding, you know, you people who are like currently working as UX researchers who are senior USRs um, and getting feedback, like on how to like improve your resume, whether it be like the layout of it, the, the, the actual like text of it all, like optimizing that document to like make it as good as possible. Um, I would like, yeah, apply to jobs, right? Like you like either through referral or direct applying, you know, whatever, um, or like some combination thereof, because you know, there's you can do both. Um, you know, um, and then like simultaneous, like as you're like applying for those jobs, like again, making your um your case study or case studies if you're doing more than one, like you know, making those, again, like optimizing those documents. And like the way I made mine better is by like literally writing it. And then like, I, I remember I like 
I like gave a mock presentation like to someone currently working as a UXR and they gave me feedback that 100% helped me get the job that I got mm-hmm. like and that I wouldn't have known otherwise because like again they're just like there are um sort of nuances that you don't quite understand so like for example like when you're giving an academic talk it is very scripted it is very rote like mm-hmm. It is that. But yeah. like when you're when you're doing the case study presentation, very much like off the cuff. Like yeah. you know, you yeah. still you still have like small notes to yourself, but like you were just like the way you and I are talking, like that's how you were supposed to give like a portfolio yeah. presentation. But like that wasn't a thing I would have ever known had I not gotten feedback um uh from someone currently working as a UXR. I think that like particularly like right like literally like right now, I think it's like a particularly challenging time for people like pursuing UX research. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I would also encourage people. Um, there's a researcher whose name I, whose name I'm blanking on right now, but they recently like did a, um, a presentation that they put up on LinkedIn about like pathways to tech for PhDs that are not UXR. Cause I think that like people see like, yeah. Um, UX is like the only job for PhDs and like that is 100% not true like I, I you know I you know when people ask me like about other jobs that PhDs do like you know I'm honest with them and say like I honestly don't know because like I work in this role but like right. they exist <laughs> um, and so like I, but so like I think that like you know, there's this sort of, like, over-reliance on UX as being the only, like, avenue, like, out of academia, but, like, that 100% just, like, isn't true, um, and that there are, like, a lot of, like, cool opportunities um, for people who, like, want to leave academia and still do, like, UXR um, or still want to do research-related work. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. That's one thing we noticed with our interview with Dr. Rebecca Constantini. She's also a UX researcher at Wiley. And the views for that video, I mean, within probably an hour of posting, the views were up. I mean, they were up and they were stuck because everyone's just so interested in it. And I think that's great. But what we want to do here is show that if you think it's interesting, but it's not your passion, don't um, be discouraged because there are so many other pathways that are out there. Yeah. It's just a matter of just kind of giving yourself the grace to just kind of figure out, you know, and try things. Like I was at an agency for, I think, about six months and was like, yeah, this isn't it. It's been fun, <laughs> but this isn't, you know, the best fit for me. And so I've, mm-hmm. I've been able to build beyond that. But it takes time to find the right path and just know that you're going to be OK. When people reach out to me, I say the first thing I want you to do is breathe. Breathe mm-hmm. first. It's going to be okay. Um, And then, so as we kind of round out our interview, do you have any final words of wisdom for doctoral students, for those who have recently graduated, who are just trying to figure out that they're at a fork in the road. They don't know what they want to do next. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that like the getting the first job is the hardest um, because like, you're you're um you're asking someone to like take a chance on an unknown commodity and so like i think the truest thing to my experience now is that like i don't want to leave my job i'm very happy in it but like if i wanted to like i could because they're just like recruiters being like hey do you want to come work here you know um yeah it is definitely the first job that is like the hardest to get and so like um once you like crack through that, once you like break through that ceiling, then it becomes much easier. Um, I would also say like, particularly for like people who are like still um, PhD students, like pursue like opportunities, like outside of like academia. So, and that it can be like internships and internships in tech, it can be internships in nonprofit, whatever, whatever it is, like pursue other opportunities because like, you know, even if you are like, nope, 100% want to be tenure track faculty and nothing else, that's it, that's it for me. It's like, just do it. Yeah. Like, because like, um, it is, um, it is, it is very hard to get a tenure track faculty role. Role. I'm not, you know, I'm not breaking news. I'm not breaking any news right there. Um, but it is incredibly hard. But also I think that like, you know, I think that for a lot of people, you know, because I tend to talk to just like a lot of academics who are like interested in leaving. And I think that for a lot of people, like 
they've like never imagined themselves doing something else or they have never done anything else. And so they're like, I don't know if I can be like happy in another role or they think that like, they're not going to have like flexibility um, in their jobs or like, they're going to like be chained to a desk from nine to five. And it's like, um, and like, I think that like, it's only through like pursuing like, um other roles that like you know what's possible yeah um like that like that you know what type of roles like exist like that you know what kind of like conditions um you can labor under that you know what kind of that you know what kind of money you can make because I think that's the other thing that people don't like I think there's a lot of like opacity around like academic salaries Mm -hmm. um you know but then when people find out it's because they're making like $67,000 a year teaching a 4-4 and that's not shade and anybody teaching a 4-4 like people are very happy doing that and that's cool but like you know there's like an amount of money that you need to like be able to like not just live but to thrive and academia tends to not pay that yeah (laughs) it it tends to not pay that um you know um and yeah so I think that like exploring like you know again for people who are like still actively like in 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 their graduate programs like actively exploring those opportunities um even if you know even just as a like let me just see what this is about um Because then not only do you then have that experience that you can like lean on later when you're like building your resume, but you also then have like, just like knowledge, like you, right. You you literally just have like knowledge that either you can use later or like when you were actually a faculty person, you then have that knowledge to like share with your PhD students who like might not be interested, who either A, might not be interested in pursuing a a faculty role or B, like can't get one. Um, Because, like, both of those things are very real. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I've learned a lot. I know Mary Ann, I have to give her a big shout out. My co-executive producer, Mary Ann Kwakwa, she has been amazing. Thank you all so much for joining. Make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe. And thank you for watching.